0: Welcome to Inspiring Stories from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is Americans Facing Crisis. During his lifetime, George Whitfield traveled the 13 original colonies, preaching over 18,000 sermons. On Whitfield's deathbed, an attending minister took note of his colleague, that he felt the pleasures of heaven in his raptured soul, which made his countenance shine like the unclouded sun. After delivering his last sermon the night before, Whitfield had exclaimed, I go, I go to rest prepared. My sun has arisen, and by the aid of heaven has given light to many. It is now about to set." No, it is about to rise to the zenith of immortal glory. O thought divine, I shall soon be in a world where time, age, pain, and sorrow are unknown. My body fails, my spirit expands, how willingly I would ever live to preach Christ, but I die to be with him." This was the majority opinion in colonial times. In fact, when the Revolutionary War broke out in 1775, 99.8% of Americans claimed to be Christians, and of those, 98.4% were Protestants. America was at the beginning a gathering of people from Europe, Christian in practice or background, dominated by English Protestants, and sprinkled with Spanish and French Roman Catholic colonies in Florida, Louisiana, and parts of the West and Southwest. According to Dr. Peter Lilback, the colonists were tutored on the historic confessions of the Christian faith, with the Protestant perspective dominating. On the way to America in the spring of 1630, Puritan John Winthrop preached about this new land becoming a city on a hill for all the world to see. His desire, and that of his people, wasn't conformity to a certain style of Christianity, but to be such an example to the world that those outside the faith would desire to know its God, live productively, and gain an eternal reward. According to Lilback, those people had absolutely nothing much to grab onto. to here. They lived in a pre-medical, pre-modern world, and they had nothing, a wilderness to walk into, an exploration of the unknown. Death was very real. It may come at any moment. They lived on the edge of life. The old Granary Cemetery in Boston that dates back to the mid-1660s bears witness to Lilback's assertion. On one gravestone, three children are commemorated. One who died at three days, another at two weeks, the last at eighteen months. Another reads, in memory of Alexander Mackay, Jr., son of Captain Alexander and Mrs. Ruthie Mackay, who died November 29, 1787, in the 16th year of his age. Mary, Mother Goose, is buried there also, having died at 42. On her gravestone is inscribed the death of her 15-month-old child, Many of those buried at Granary died in their 20s and 30s. Several markers portray a grim-looking skull and crossbones, reminders of the proximity to death in which those people lived. According to a modern bumper sticker, life is short, then you die. Never was that truer than in colonial America, when the average lifespan was just 56 years. Many people died far younger. Death came from complications in childbirth, from infectious diseases, poor sanitation, and lack of medical knowledge. This was a society radically different from our own, in which frail and fleeting human life was lived out in the expectation of salvation or damnation, eternal happiness or torment. Daniel A. Cohen refers to it as a culture preoccupied with the proximity of death. When a measles epidemic broke out in 1713 in Boston, the Reverend Cotton Mather observed it was going to be a time of trouble for all of the families living there. He saw it as his job to prepare them to meet their maker. He was a man of sorrows himself. He outlived two of three wives and 12 of his 15 children. During the measles outbreak, he buried a wife and three children, including newborn twins. Although Mather was grief-stricken, he said it comforted him that God had extinguished in my wife the fear of death. Likewise, before his two-year-old daughter died, she told her father she was confident she was going to be with Jesus. Crushed in spirit, he resolved to continue ministering to the people of Boston, showing them a patient submission to the will of God. Colonial Americans faced death with a measured acceptance, believing it was part of a fallen world, and that it was a person's responsibility to accept the good with the bad. The anger that people so often express toward God today after a loved one dies wasn't part of the early American spirit. Whether we're talking about the 1700s or 2020, life has its challenges. There are, of course, differences. Our 17th, 18th, and 19th century ancestors didn't understand the origin of disease or have the tools to cure and eliminate them, but they had a strong faith in God. Today, we have medical experts and government officials using a wealth of knowledge and resources to combat the coronavirus. The wisest among them also possess faith in God, who holds all things together and works all things together for the good of those who love him. In my new novel, Sweet, Sweet Spirit, Melanie McKnight and the nation are in a different sort of crisis. She wonders where to turn for hope, for security. I encourage you to read her story and be encouraged yourself. For more information, visit my website at www.rebeccapricejanney.com. Thank you for joining me for Inspiring Stories from American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.